You're the average of the five podcast shows you listen to the most. Learn to run your business well with the SIA Business Show, where our host Sayyid Irfan Ajmal interviews entrepreneurs, marketers, and speakers of all colors and creeds, revealing their biggest secrets and lousiest mistakes. Hi, this is Sayyid Irfan Ajmal with another episode of the SIA Business Podcast show where I am going to interview a very interesting personality. Her name is Melanie Martin. She is an entrepreneur and a PR expert. Melanie is based in Berlin, Germany, and she runs two different companies. At The Coup, Melanie has worked with both startups and international companies for a good few years, whereas at PR on the go, she focuses on the creative industries. These include a lot of solopreneurs, such as filmmakers, fashion designers, architects, artists, etc. And I believe the goal at PR on the go is to help these solopreneurs get better at doing their own PR. Melanie will also be talking about a successful campaign that earned her client hundreds of media mentions and press clippings apart from helping the campaign end with a very nice 2.3 million US dollar sale. So let's get started. Welcome, Melanie. Hi, Irfan. Thanks for having me. It's it's great to have you on the show. I know you, you had some trouble with the internet and it's, it's great to have you on the show and good to know that you have been able to make it. I know it's very early in uh, Germany. Is it eight o'clock there? Right, that's right. Right. Well, I hope you have had a decent cup of coffee because we'll be asking you some very interesting questions and we hope that we can learn a lot from your experience. Great. Looking forward to it. Perfect. So, uh, Melanie, tell me a bit about how you started with the entrepreneurship. Like, what was it like when you were studying? Did you had it planned since back then or did something change when you had a few few job stints maybe? How was it for you? Ah, that's uh, actually quite an interesting uh, question when it comes to my story, my background story. So um, I work in public relations and um, the way I got there was not the direct way. So uh, I just had a training on the job um, in a real estate office. Then I went to London to improve my English and um, had a lot of several internships after that uh, in the music industry and uh, and then started as a freelancer back in Berlin, um, working with um, several artists, musicians, um, mostly in different fields um, for for the promotion of their gigs, their albums, their releases, um, uh, supporting photo shootings, and um, you know working with with uh, within the creative industries of Berlin with a lot of creative people. But I never found really a definition of uh, what I did until uh, a friend told me like what you do is uh, really public relations and and then I started a website um, uh, rented an office um, and then I studied journalism aside to to improve like the basic knowledge behind um, the media and um, yeah then since then I'm just working in public relations 
Wonderful, wonderful. That's a very interesting story. I mean, uh, you doing so much in so many different related areas, like, you know, your uh, work with musicians and artists promoting their gigs and studying journalism, which I think is very cool and very uh, an extremely smart decision on your part. So tell us a bit about the two ventures, like how long have you been doing them and what's the reason for two different ventures and how tough is it? I know it's a lot of questions, so you can just answer the ones that you prefer and I can ask the others again or something. Great. So um, it was in 2010 when I um, founded The Coop as a PR agency. And um, since I was very active in the creative industries before, I got uh, clients very quick quickly and it grew into a small agency very quickly um, uh, with, a, with a nice team yeah and um, lots of fun times lots of different clients and um, as we grew over the years our clients actually became bigger so we couldn't um, work for the creative uh, people anymore like musicians and designers and artists that we have so many in Berlin of um, because they just couldn't afford uh, our fees that, that raised over, um, over the years and the costs that we had to cover and we right. had more and more corporate clients, um, international ones but actually the, the part I enjoyed the most, I had to leave a bit which uh, which was upset you know and I enjoy most working with creative uh, young people and um, we had a brainstorming a big brainstorming uh, one summer in 2015 and already started with the first brainstorming on what we can do to still work with the um, creative uh, industries and uh, new startups and there the idea was born to uh, for PR on the go which uh, which is a do-it-yourself PR platform so it's um, it's still in its first step but the idea is to provide those creative founders with tools so they can implement PR in marketing themselves. Gordon, Gordon. Well that seems very interesting and I'm sure that I think that's a very nice mix with the the coup focusing on the bigger corporate clients and PR on the go focusing on enabling the the creatives to do some of their own PR all by themselves. So that's interesting. So tell us a bit about PR if you can, because I think there is a lot of misconceptions about it as well in some circles maybe. Is it just about publicity? Is it just about media relations or is it also about, you know, different type of audience, like maybe relations with investors and everything. How do you see it? Uh, that's a great question because um, that's one of my main uh, focuses to to actually also like young entrepreneurs who never worked with PR before that I actually know what is public relations, what includes it because um, uh, as you said, there is so much misconception about it. So public relations is um, the effort to make yourself more known um, and um, improve your image and um, uh, yeah and this is mainly done with um, press publications so um, the in in practice it's ma uh, mainly to bring stories about your business or an introduction about founders into the press so you're in magazines or even on tv or in radio stations and you get interviews um uh, that's the main part, but uh, we we take all different kinds of tools to help um, form um, a good 
um, a good image of your brand and get you uh, more widely known, um, such as social media marketing or online marketing tools. But it's um, it's different from advertising, for example, where you would um, come up with a creative campaign and and uh, print a lot of big posters and hang them on the in the city. That's advertising. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, these are some really good points. Firstly, I really like how how you use the words, you know, the key phrases to be known and to improve the the brand image, should I say? And another thing that I really like that you said is that it's different than advertisement. Would you agree that advertisement is maybe more promotional and maybe more self-centered where you can be you know talking about a lot of the features of the product or, or or the service or something but i think i guess my question is you know pr is not like that because you still have to make sure that the story has something in it for the audience some kind of informational angle rather than you know being full-on promotional does it make sense Mm-hmm. They're very strategic. And an example that I find very good to, to see the difference is Edward Bernier was like the founding father of public relations, as we still do it nowadays. So he used, started using all the tools that we're still using nowadays, like um, come up with competitions, um, do the strategy having a very psychoanalytical aspect of how to approach the audience. And then different things are done, for example, with uh, with the advertisement department as well. And um, what he did in back in early early beginning of the 20th century, um, he uh, aimed to make cigarettes popular. So at this time, there were only a few men smoking cigarettes. And he worked with Marlboro and um, he looked into it. What, what, how can we sell cigarettes? And he said, oh, it's, let's sell it for freedom. It's the feeling of freedom that they give you. And then how that, that advertisement um, showed us to the people. They, they took a cowboy in the desert, yeah. you know, that's the look of the freedom. So it has a very strategical approach. Do you at times get in trouble with clients where they might assume that, you know, that you and your PR agency can do this very salesy and promotional stuff when that's actually advertisement and that might be, you know, that might not be something that you you people do or it might be you know way more costly because with the publications they they might be charging a much higher fee for you know sponsored content exactly so um the the main approach is to earn uh really get earned media it's called earned media so yeah. because we we come up with a story behind your business so good that um, journalists are really interested in it and want to hear you talk about it and then you don't have to uh, pay um, pay for stories. Um, but we do a lot of uh, storytelling and content marketing behind it. So that's that's big thing we do nowadays. But um, sorry to get back to your question. So can you help me out? I think you answered the question pretty well. So I know what you mean, but let's talk about storytelling a bit. Yeah. What's the process there in order to find the story behind a brand, a new startup app or a new um, product or service? What are the few steps that you and your agency take 
in order to come up with the interesting story Ah, yeah. So um, let's say you developed a product that is like has hardware in it and software and is very smart product and you want to launch it. And um, mm. there is just one, the introduction of the product with all its features, but that's very neutral and very in, in that's the information behind it. Um, but PR aims to grab um fill this with emotions and mm. and the soul the whole mm. product itself and also like mm, introduce the founder behind it the developer or the the business behind it who developed it like with with um an interesting story how we, we uh, make it public how they how was the process of getting there why was it why was it invented mm. what um, problem solution is it solving and um what does it make you feel when you have it? What um, does it improve in your life? This can mm. be very, very different angle. So um, that this is maybe has a wellness um, uh, approach. And then we're mm. taking a lot of um, making, having a lot of research on what current keywords are um, trend and um, how are people which uh, what yeah what trends are out there in general um, especially like in urban surroundings and then we use this um, to to um, come up with a story and also like the keywords we give again to to the um, to the digital um, advertisement department so they do um, Google advertisement which supports the whole story. Wonderful. So I actually have two questions in this regard. This was a very interesting description. How does the Google AdWords come into play? Are you saying that you develop a story and then you run that story in order to attract attention from, say, uh, media publications? Is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. So you're working in Google Advertisement as well, right? Not a lot, but I do understand the concept, yeah. Ah, okay, right. Um, yeah, so the my approach especially is to work very closely with um, the digital advertising. So mm -hmm. when we um, when we and with social media marketing and also um, the the classic advertisement. So when we come up with the stories and the the trending keywords behind it that we wanna um, put to the product that we're launching mm -hmm. or to the venture, um, mm -hmm. then those keywords also need to be supported within Google advertising and um, also within campaigning overall. So it's all one campaign, very subtle. But right. um, so yeah, those, those positive keywords will be known for this brand or venture. Okay. So I guess what you're saying is that the advertisement team and the PR team, they both work in sync in order to make sure that there is one cohesive universal message around the brand and the product. Is that what you're saying? That's completely um, correct. Yeah, it's very important. The different departments work together. Right. Wonderful. So, I mean, you did mention that Google AdWords helps you find the keywords that may be getting a lot of search results and then you and your team can use those keywords. To make sure that you know if any target audience is searching for those keywords they can end up on your story you also talked about finding the current trends which can correlate with the story that you are working on so if you have any example of that 
that will be good and also do you use any particular um, tool to find the most trending topics in this regard Mm -hmm. So that's even more important. So we're not really using the keyword planner for our storytelling, but right. we're um, looking into studies and statistics. And also, um, we need to be a, a well aware of what's going on in our uh, areas. So this is mainly in the urban areas um, in, with a certain age uh, um, um, of people. And then what what are those people really, um, what are the trends? So we're attending a lot of events, of course, reading a lot of um, magazines and looking into um, influencers. Uh, what are the trending topics? And what is, what's, what's the over, how is, how is um, uh, different target groups overall behaving and how are they feeling? For hmm. example, the, the current generation, there are a lot um facing a lot of trouble with stress and mm. uh, and and anxiety so that uh, that's how um wellness products at the moment and wellness concepts um uh, are very very much celebrated and within those there there are a lot of uh, small trends but this is really everywhere so it's um important to be really all over the place and be interested in so many things um uh, attend exhibitions travel yeah wonderful and in terms of finding these trends uh, i i uh, do understand that there is a lot of uh, reading involved and studying and networking and uh, attending exhibitions and all that but on the seo side if i can share something maybe maybe you are already using similar tools or maybe you're using even better tools so mm -hmm. i wonder if you have heard of Buzz Sumo, which basically you can, uh, you know, for instance, if you look into, for instance, maybe if you use the keywords, you know, startup plus anxiety, right? So you will mm -hmm. see a lot of articles that are coming and then you can choose like, you know, the most viral articles in the last three months, which deal with startups and anxiety. Have you used any of these tools? Yeah, those are um, super interesting or it's similar to Google Trends where you can uh, compare it. Right. The, the a little bit of a problem is that there is, or it's not a problem, but I have a different approach. So sometimes right. I do it like this with those tools, but mm. most mostly um, we come up with the trends where we have the feeling, uh, okay, this is going to become a bigger trend. So it's in the starting points. There are a lot of influencers using um, specific keywords because when it's already viral, then um, you cannot really adapt it for your venture. So mm -hmm. you really try to look uh, a bit ahead and then you find a lot on the internet. Um, you find statistics and studies and, and trends for everything so that that can undermine your approach. But um, trying to be a one step ahead most of the time yeah yeah i understand what you're saying because um this reminds me of something i had read there is a journalist david meerman scott sorry not a journalist but a marketer and uh, he's he's very much of an expert when it comes to trending topics and basically news jacking oh. i'm not sure where if news jacking i'm sure you know news jacking is something you know but maybe it's known by a different name in germany have you heard of news jacking yeah, heard of it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure you know about it, but I will explain a bit and then you will know what I mean. So news checking is like, you know, if I see that, for instance, 
you know, there is a lot of the publications writing about, for instance, a recent issue like, you know, maybe airplane safety, right? Because there was mm-hmm. a big accident or something. Then, you know, if I have a product, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so, so if I have a product or service related to safety, maybe I have something completely different, like, you know, maybe alarm system for the home, but I can, you know, come up with something interesting related to that. Or I'm sure this is not the best example, but the basic thing is like, you know, Game of Thrones. Have you seen Game of Thrones? I have. (laughs) Okay, so it's basically a TV show, right? So what Hootsuite did, Hootsuite is a social media marketing tool, right? So -hmm. what Hootsuite did was that right around the time when a new season of the Game of Thrones TV show was getting launched, what Hootsuite did was that they did a similar type of introductory video, which basically showed that, you know, just like in Game of Thrones, there are like six or seven kingdoms. In the Hootsuite video, there are six or seven social media kingdoms, like, you know, Twitter kingdom and Facebook kingdom, you know, and it got like a lot of views. Anyway, the point I was trying to explain is that David Meerman Scott, he said the very same thing that you mentioned as well, that when a story is already gone viral, then, you know, you have missed the moment. So you, what you want to do is that you want to catch the stories that are not yet viral, but they are gaining a lot of interest. And that's the point to, you know, try to leverage those stories. So, ah, okay. So, yeah, um, one to the Game of Thrones. This sounds really amazing. There is a lot of uh, great storytelling, um, uh, promotional storytelling for, for the releases of uh, movies. Um, so you can really do a lot of storytelling with Pinterest and uh, social media or uh, so, yeah, what we are, we're trying really to, to come up with, with small micro trends, uh, within specific right. target groups. So we're dividing a lot of, um, the target groups into smaller target groups. Hmm. Um, so we have, uh, and, and we're looking into micro trends. And then what we can do, we can test a lot of those keywords where we think they might become bigger, those hmm. trends. And then, right. um, fill this with an, an article and, talk to the, the journalists in this area and um, introducing the product or the venture from this angle within this micro trend hmm. and then see if it gets attention. And so we, um, even if, if this doesn't get attention, cause we're, you know, we, no one can predict the future, I guess. And um, we can, you can test a lot of micro trends and see if they will support your venture. And then hmm. what the audience in the end sees is like, okay, you came up within this trend that became big. Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. Very interesting. So speaking of talking to journalists, what's the right way to, network with the journalists and what's the right way to really build those relations where you know you can talk to them about potential trend or a micro trend mm-hmm. it's it's um first of all you need to um, get an overview of the media landscape that you're approaching and um since media landscape uh, most most mostly startups want to um, launch internationally these days, mm. um, but you need to start from where you are. So you um, really need to get an overview in the country you want to launch first, and then it's important to know, like, okay, uh, with the micro trend. So it might be that you have um, a product in in the in the cannabis scene. 
yeah but cannabis uh, magazines are not that important for mm. you but but it's it's the um, wellness or medical industry um right. and the magazines that uh, are important so um there you need to be clear about this and then really uh, get the magazines and um read the articles online um from the editors so really know who you're pitching to mm. and then um you can get in contact either via email or um, via LinkedIn. I, I really like these days to use right. it. But um, if you see the editor uses a lot of Twitter um, exchange tweets, it always helps to to get in con when you get in contact first, of course, to refer to another article like, oh, I've seen you introduce this and that. That's that was so inspiring this article and i would like to i'm working on a similar approach um uh, in the micro trend of this and that and i would like to introduce introduce uh, my product to you and and um, most of the times uh, journalists are very interested of course when we're doing this every day um as a pr agency and yeah. um, the journalists especially in Germany, so we're um, doing international PR, but especially in Germany, a lot of journalists know us or they know uh, that we can send them just a press release and they know we're standing for different, for specific content and specific industries and we're like settled here that they can trust the source um which is great so it's um because we're delivering information to so many more journalists uh, it is very helpful but in the end um it's about the direct pitch getting into uh, making a good selection of journalists um checking out if they're interested journalists uh, are brilliant within um understanding a venture or an approach really really fast and can let you know really fast if this is a topic uh, for the magazine or newspaper or radio station they're working for or not and um, this also helps you wonderful wonderful so i mean definitely for your agency like you said you have been in business since 2010 i believe and the german media industry especially know the coup and trust them as a credible source so you know you have that freedom to send them a press release or send them a story uh, right away but for someone who is just starting or who is you know exploring media opportunities in a new geographical location or a new industry do you think that once they have done their research and and really got to know the the journalists and the publication do you think it's a good idea to to use that first message whether it's via email or or twitter or linkedin to introduce a story Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially for founders who don't have the big PR marketing budget, there is a huge opportunity in introducing themselves to the journalists. So really make the effort and get um, read the magazines and uh, online and um, uh, and and get to know the editors and make the effort to to introduce yourself. So journalists really like to be in contact with um, the creative founder because um, it's much more inspiring than when um, when a when a PR person is in between. So they they do listen, um, but but um, don't send them a mass email. You really have to um, find the ways where they're um, communicating yeah. the most, like via Twitter, LinkedIn, 
or via email or try to get them on the phone, which will be even better. Um, but there is a huge opportunity. So um, one should not be afraid to approach journalists uh, directly. Right, right. So two things that I concluded from this very interesting discussion regarding pitching is that number one, do your research, get to know the publication and the journalist that you are writing for and the editor, like what are the main um, issues that they focus on within your industry or something like that. And number two, never send a mass email, but instead make sure that you send a customized email to every single journalist. Is that a correct description? Yes, totally. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, you know, sometimes what happens is that like, for instance, for me, you know, like I'm, I'm not a journalist, but sometimes I think this goes on to show the importance of research, which you talked about that sometimes I would get emails or LinkedIn messages just because they see that I write for uh, Forbes or Huffington Post. So I will get like an email and, you know, sometimes there is not even, you know, like a hello over there. It's just like a copy paste press release or something like that. So, I mean, do you think that for someone who doesn't know about you, I mean, do you think that in my case, obviously it doesn't work because I'm not a journalist, but if they are sending that kind of stuff to a journalist that they don't know, my, my point, I guess my question is, should the very first cold message, you know, like someone you have not known before, is it okay that the very first message is about this product and the story behind it? Or should you maybe use the first you know, a couple of messages to ask something or to provide like a genuine compliment or something like that. Yes. Yeah. So um, we as a PR agency, when we know like, okay, within those German uh, editorial departments, they're uh, well known, we can just send them the press release. That's okay for them. They, um, they scan the content, hmm. but especially for someone, a founder who approaches PR uh, or herself, um, it's important not to take all the contacts I can get and just send them one email with with my, my with my story this will get no attention it's just to really look into all of those and see which are the most important ones to me or um, which which are the best uh, fit to my venture and then really only pick a few editors this put in the time in this is um, going to be so much more successful we're in as a PR agency. We're doing a mix because we're spreading the me message so wide, so much wider. But it's more known that a PR agency delivers a press release. That's fine. Right. Um, but we also um, we also have to do direct pitches to talk to the journalists directly. So we're having the same approach, but in a mix. But the founders are. Totally, um, I recommend only uh, go for the direct pitches with the ones you believe, uh, with the media outlets you believe are the best match to your venture. Okay, wonderful. So are there any special tools that PR expert or an entrepreneur can use to really boost the probability of their success? Maybe Haro or anything else? Oh, yeah. So there are um, quite a few tools out there. We introduce a lot uh, at prondego.com for the different creative industries. Um, like you just mentioned, Hero is helpareporter.com. It's uh, one of the fantastic tools to start PR because they're 
you can um, get a regular um, newsletter with with um, with journalists that are looking for specific stories. Um, people who fit uh, to people to interview for specific stories they're working on. So you get this um, in delivered to your mailbox every day and can scan if um, there's a journalist um, looking out for. Uh, adventure like yours and then you can get in contact but we're um, introducing a lot of those uh, mini tools or um, uh, submission opportunities um, in order to get uh, published or to reach um, more people uh, at prondego.com Wonderful, yeah, we'll be making sure that we include links to the coup and PR on the go in the show notes and on your episodes webpage. So what about the importance of being a journalist versus being a specialist? So, you know, do you think that it's better to be a journalist, journalist as in, you know, having a generic approach rather than being a specialist when it comes to doing PR? So like being a specialist, maybe, you know, focusing just on the wellness and just on the tech startups, which one do you prefer and why? You mean the PR person, if the PR person should be specialized? Yeah, exactly. I, I mean... Do you think that the PR person should focus, is he or she better off focusing on maybe one industry or should he or she focus on, you know, just anything that comes their way in terms of, you know, clients and all that? Yeah. So uh, it's always good to find your niche or um, not only your niche, but to find out over the years what you're really good at. So uh, when it comes to me, I know like I'm really good in promoting the arts or uh, and also with real estate. Um, so PR for real estate, those are um, quite different topics. Um, but then the approach within for a PR person can be different. So um, I personally believe for startups, especially in the technology scene, they very often want to be featured in the startup media um, outlets. So, um, and um, but my approach is... Uh, why do you want to be seen within a startup magazine so other startups can see you, <laughs> but you you still don't reach your target yeah. audience? So um, that's a very I'm, good point. I'm, yeah, so I'm really trying to to um, uh, bring this into the direction where the business really is, but also I'm a huge fan of daily media. Um, so bringing something into the newspaper. Um, everyday newspaper, be it online or in print, because um, there it becomes a very different relevancy, um, uh, your topic. And um, it has usually, the um, it reaches the most people, uh, much more than a magazine. So this is, um, those are my my targets and then there are different um different pr people so um other pr people for example they they support um startups to be in all the startup magazines but um uh, yeah so um i think it's very important when working with a pr person uh, when you plan to work with a pr person um to find out about their approach um where where um do they see the importance and uh, do you agree with it? Do you think it's a good fit for your venture? Wonderful. This reminds me of a, a similar experience I often have in Pakistan where I'm based. So basically what happens is that a lot of the um, new startups, they are very keen to attend events 
which are you know focused just on startups and you know it's like usually you know if it's a fitness app they won't think about attending maybe you know like a health event or maybe you know an event which is attended by a lot of doctors where they can maybe partner with them but instead they are very keen to join the startup events where um, most of other um, participants are startups like themselves so what you said does resonate with me but do you think that when you talk about these startup magazines do you think that sometimes these startup magazines may be read by some investors as well and maybe that's why some of these startups want to get featured there rather than a more specific magazine or website or something mm-hmm. so it's a lot about um i have to say it it's uh, very often about the ego so i'm in my startup system maybe in my co-working space i love the startup events uh, either i i'm uh, i'm a bit lost in there so i don't really um take the step to go outside into my industry where I'm providing my startup for or um it's it's really the ego because uh, I want to be the best within the startup scene so you can see this very often in Berlin and <laughs> um, so I want to be known amongst all the startups uh, that I'm hanging out with but uh, most of the times there are not aware there is one um particular time when it's uh, quite important um, to be featured and there is the time when you um, really have your uh, first investments and are looking for more investors because um, this is one um, target group that uh, looks into the um, startup magazines are investors as well and um, so you can make yourself known within uh, with, within this target group there it makes sense but um again i'm having the the approach for being featured in the newspapers or in business magazines because there you can reach much much more investors with and impress investors even more with but i think it's always great to be featured in the in the beginning but but the uh, you, sh- you yeah my approach is not to spend too much time on an outlet that doesn't fit your Gold. But if it's um, if it if you're in in pitching for investors, uh, you might reach this uh, target audience there. Right, right. Then again, it's it's about trying to figure out, like for instance, you know, in terms of events that may be taking place in Pakistan or anywhere. I think what startups can do is to check out the details of, of the previous editions. So, for instance, I was speaking in Dubai in April this year, and the event that I was a panelist at i looked it up and i saw that you know there were like billions of dollars of deals that were closed in previous editions of that event so you know that's why i was more keen to attend that event so i guess because there you know there is a lot of events where there might be a lot of startups but if you study their previous history you will see that you know maybe no one raised any investment or there were not even a lot of investors in the previous events would you agree with that Yes, totally. Um, it's it's um, important um, when you want really ma- want to make a business out of it. It's very important to make a, a proper research uh, on what to spend your time on. If you if you're ke- really keen on attending, even if the event is not big or presenting there, um, then it's fine. But um, when you when you have like when you set goals within your team that also involve uh, a time schedule is really important to have a look on um, 
how big is it does it really um support to reach your goal because there you got time timely limits as well wonderful so with the growth of the digital media and you know a lot of people are consuming their news and their content online rather than you know maybe a print newspaper and all that how do you see that and how do you think that impacts the way pr professionals or anyone who wants to get featured need to work on that mm-hmm. um that's that's totally true that there is a lot of online uh, consumption um especially i found out in in china where also like they only consume their news over wechat um i'm not sure how is it in pakistan the, so online is there still a print media print landscape yeah definitely we we do have that it's rapidly decreasing especially in the last sort of i would say 15 to maybe 18 years more like 15 or 13 years even you know the poorest people now do have a cell phone and mostly it's a smartphone so you know they can consume content there sometimes when i am in a cab or you know when i come across another type of blue worker i would see that they are doing something on youtube or facebook and sometimes when i ask them some of them may have a relative like a brother or a cousin who is based in maybe sweden or germany and they say you know this is an easy way for us to interact with them and to speak to them or sometimes they would be watching news even on youtube but we still do have i think i suspect that we still have a very large print media because there are a lot of people who are still adopting to the online media and then you know obviously there is the issue of i guess fake news as well it's prevalent everywhere especially social media is a very easy way for um, spreading rumors by you know maybe one type of group against another and sometimes it might not be intentional because sometimes i would get like forwarded news item and when i do research about it it turns out to be you know untrue so then i have to tell my my friend who sent it and i know that they they didn't do it intentionally but you know it's it's just the fact that they got it and they didn't think that it might be fake yeah great to hear that but there that there's still print media out there cuz like i said like in china it seems to be not the case at all what i experience in uh, especially germany and the uk i'm working very um, much is that of course online is key um fast consumption but um there it definitely cool exists and uh, print is having like a small revival um because of in terms of this fast paced um living and people uh, you know there is this trend of going back first to slow living doing meditation breathing uh, exercises yeah. to get out of the stress and anxiety so many people are um facing and print media is a treat uh, especially for your eyes but like is totally um uh, your point that there is um a better research when you print it so there is not this fast consumption with um and also fake news there is a prevention in there but it's a total treat to buy yourself a magazine to read uh, over the weekend um and it's it's so good for your eyes i believe and also when it comes to pr um let's say you have um 
a fancy product or venture that costs a lot of money, then um, then there you find a lot of um, people, wealthy people reading magazines, you know, um, those in-flight boarding magazines. They get a lot of magazines on their um, um premium uh, flights and and uh, launches where uh, all the places where you can like find um, the, the a wealthier audience they, they do consume magazines and um, just um, needs to be considered as well and when when you approach an editor nowadays um, and there is an article maybe in print then later on it will be in online as well or that's the way they do it in, in Germany but I'm sure it's very often uh, in both ways available but print is so much uh, such a treat and I think it definitely coexists and I think it will get a big revival here yeah I think I think this is quite true and I think it's it's Everything that you said is, it seems true for many places, not just Germany. For instance, when I, I have been writing in various online publications since around 2013, but the first time I got published in a book, so one of my essays was published in a book. So, you know, it was a very special feeling for me. Similarly, when I got published in another couple of print magazines, you know, I was very proud of that. And it was a very different feeling. And speaking of the impact on eyes, definitely, I have a lot of problem with my eyes over the last few years. And I think it has to do with the fact that I spend so much time on my mobile screen and my laptop screen. And what I have started to do now is that I avoid using my phone too much. And I even print out some of the articles and some of the web-based material that I have to read. So I just print it and read it. and. I think it still makes sense and the more well-researched content quite often is still available in print format. And definitely I do agree that I have had the same experience that the printed content often is made available in the web format later on as well. Yeah, uh, the, the value is a bit different when it's in print, I believe. Like you say, you get published there. Also, like my clients, they want to be in print, even when online maybe reaches more people faster. Um, but the value um, of print is, is a different one. Very yeah. interesting. So as a reference and people uh, totally um, value it differently. Yeah. Very nice. Do you think there is anything different in approaching print media outlet versus a digital media outlet like when you are pitching actually yes so there are um, classical um, print um, editors that only write for print and there we can come up with the story as it is but whereas online we look a lot into the keywords we want to enrich the story with so the journalist is much more likely to take those keywords because we're writing a lot for google so it's good for Google, um, which is actually a shame. So mm. um, I prefer uh, also like uh, to pitch the print uh, journalists because there you can uh, make the whole. You can be yeah, much, you're much freer in in this in storytelling. Interesting, interesting. But in terms of how you approach them, like, do you think that like my my gut feeling would be that. If I have to contact a print magazine, I probably should call them rather than maybe sending them an email. Is that something that you would agree with? 
Yeah, totally. Um, so um, print editors are usually available via phone much, uh, much more. And they, they also call you uh, call you back and they're on the phone. They like to speak on the phone. Whereas um, online editors or especially bloggers, um, I have the feeling with bloggers that they're very often also a bit shy. So they prefer to, to um, communicate by email a lot. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> very nice. And you spoke about Google. So how do you think SEO, search engine optimization, how does that differ from PR or, you know, what are some of the differences and some of the similarities between SEO and PR? So um, with PR, we're we're the ones that approaching the the um, the direct um, uh, clicks. So uh, that's the most valuable when it comes um, with Google. So you get um, the the with with the publications um, with great articles and all that's very um, important for Google itself and um, what we're doing uh, supporting the the digital uh, marketing team with really using the keywords that we agree both agreed on as a team and so um, trying to to strengthen um, being found on Google within those keywords. So we're using then storytelling whereas digital marketing um, uh, buys the Google display ads and the Google ads with it. Right. So when you say direct clicks, do you mean like focusing on the referral traffic rather than the organic traffic? Is that what you mean? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So it's uh, with the organic ones that we're found um, when someone types and searches for some specific topic, um, researches it, and then we're found uh, and then we're the organic clicks. Okay. Okay. Right. So let's talk about the successful story that you have had, the amazing campaign that you and your team ran and which resulted in uh, 2.3 million dollars of sale and around 400 press clippings worldwide would you like to tell us about it because i'm sure the audience is waiting for that <laughs> <laughs> that was a great project with two artists iman rizai and ruven materne uh, who were at this time um, uh, students at uh, berlin university of arts and um it was in 2012. It was still a time where it was super active um, in the creative industries uh, and with the create lot of hanging out with a lot of creative people in Berlin and doing a lot of projects just for fun, really. And the two um, uh, artists together built um, a guillotine which approach and one artist um, background is building a lot of historical uh, weapons as art objects and the other one Right. So just, just so the audience can understand this better, this would be, you mean the guillotine, right? Yeah. Right. The guillotine. Okay. All right. That was the art project. The, um, the second artist um, is very, Iman uh, Rezai is originally from Iran. He's very much in, into this um, colorful paintings. So the two of them uh, wanted to create an object together and they built a guillotine, uh, which was like the original ones used, um, uh, in, especially in France and history. And 
this was like um, with a 40 kilo knife, the guillotine, wow. and to to introduce this art uh, object to the public, um, we said, okay, let's do something very provocative. And we said, like, how about we kill uh, an animal with, with the guillotine? And then we, we bought a sheep and said, this sheep stands for humanity. And then we um, created a video where this 40 kilo knife comes down the guillotine and the sheep, you know, it gets scary behind it. Um, and then we asked uh, the, the audience hmm. to vote whether we should kill the sheep with this guillotine or not. Hmm. And the audience went crazy. So we're like, um, it was published on, on covers of uh, newspapers and magazines in Germany, like uh, crazy art students that is no art. And they were like so angry that the sheep is about to get killed. But we said like, um, we gave statements out like, oh, it's it's we're showing democracy. It's a dem democratic vote whether uh, the sheep shall be killed or not. And then the whole thing went viral. Which in the beginning, um, people were really angry with the artists. And then um, the whole thing went over to to the US. And then from the US, it went worldwide, which which was crazy. So people from Japan were sending video replies to a video a documentation that we had made uh, about the project. And um, and then Peter, the, the um, animal, uh, the NGO for animals, they uh, they actually supported the whole um, internet uh, discussion uh, and the art project. They said, like, look, you're uh, so you don't want this cheap to die um, so badly, but you're eating meat every day, most of you. So look into this and become vegan. You know, so they they made us even more popular um, by by showing the the controversy in the people's mind, and um, we get all the all the attention, and then we get a collector from from the US coming in and uh, offering a uh, massive. Uh, like um, amount of money for for the guillotine as an art object, and um, which we really didn't uh, plan for in the beginning, and then this uh, hit the news as well, and um, and then the whole audience uh, opinions also changed, which was quite interesting to see because then they said like you know the the voting time was over. The artist gave a press conference um, saying that the sheep uh, will not be killed and never was intended to be killed, but it was to to um, to mirror society's uh, and society's opinion. And then um, the audience, uh, people on social media, and they send us emails and. And they, they've um, commented on the articles that were published about the project. And they um, suddenly they were seen as heroes, those artists, because we sold the guillotine for so much money. And then they said, oh, they're so smart. You know, like this was such a smart uh, campaign and all, and such a smart project. And um, yeah, but before, you know, the, this was the most interesting, I think, uh, outcome from this project that you can really um, 
switch the audience minds or um, opinions very quickly but it's it's um it's a luck to have the attention you know we had international attention what statement would you give out next and it's always possible to play a lot with those opinions and with the attention Absolutely, very interesting, and I think I think it's apart from the massive amount for which the artwork was sold and changing the opinion of the people. I think it also brought probably awareness. Correct me if I'm wrong. To you know, animal cruelty and the good side, and maybe the a bit of the bad side of democracy as well, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, it brought a lot of different, had a lot of different angles. And um, from from the PR point of view, I would definitely say don't be afraid to uh, be provocative. Like if you got a venture, um, you believe your venture will um, will be great for people to get to know. Um, don't be afraid to be uh, provocative to get attention. You know, if it's planned out very, if it's planned out well, this is specific, uh, specifically um, true for the arts, I believe. Yeah. So um, that uh, there um, shouldn't be uh, too much about harmony. It can be can get very provocative and controversial as well. So something more controversial, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Don't be afraid to go big and crazy. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it sort of reminds me of Seth Godin, an American marketer, and he wrote about I think he wrote a book called The Purple Cow. So I think the, the, the message was that if all the cows look same, no one looks at them, but if one of the cows is uh, purple, so you know everyone is very focused on that so i guess the message there was very similar to yours where you know try to be different try to tell a different story and use something uh, out of ordinary something extraordinary to get the attention of your audience or uh, to spread awareness about an issue that you care about right yes totally like um especially with the artists i i love this if it really um uh, has an approach for society too and you have got something to say and you just uh, want to make your voice be heard or um yeah uh, so so that's brilliant i would love it if there are even more uh, you know um controversial opinions out there and um people that make young especially young people that make themselves hurt more absolutely speaking of creative industries and art projects is there i know that you're very passionate about the economical importance of creative industries is there anything you would like to say about that? Ah, uh, yeah, um, totally. So um, there are a few cities uh, in the world that um, are recognizing the creative in industries also as um, as a very important factor in their economic growth. But um, most of the cities I visited in the world are not, because they would say like, oh, most artists. Um, cannot even survive on their arts or you know and then then they, they're putting this down and the image is uh, is down but it's so important to to come up with an environment where startups and um creatives such as musicians filmmakers designers artists can flourish um so with be it with government funding uh, creative spaces 
uh, in studios that they get um, financially supported with um, because those uh, are the uh, people who um, make the place uh, cooler, you know, like culture and the arts um, really boost innovation and um, make a location um, much more exciting and interesting when there is a lot of studios and um, creative spaces that you can visit in a city. It attracts more tourists. It eventually, it um, there is a lot also um, a lot of the the ones um, inventors uh, and and designers do work with the bigger corporates, and they get uh, because they find working by themselves in creative spaces they get um, the space to come up with great solutions that corporates also need so it really um, drives the innovative innovation side of things and they also attract a lot of investors in the end so really find really important that they um, creative founders are not underestimated even if they don't make a big salary in the first years they're very important for every city absolutely and i think that given that you are based in berlin which is pretty famous for giving birth to several um, artists and creative people and is known as a space which allows freedom to the artistic side of people i think these all insights from you matter a lot and it is also great that pr on the go aims to support and help and encourage these very same artistic people to do their own pr and to see to make sure that the work that they do is known would you like to suggest any books or podcasts or any other resources that a PR expert or a creative entrepreneur can use to um, be better at doing PR and networking and pitching? Yeah, um, totally. So uh, a book that I recommend to um, any startup, uh, any artist or anyone who's um, interested in public relations um, is um, the, the book Propaganda by Edward Bernay, um, the, the founding father of public relations that I mentioned earlier. And um, so he, you can see, um, see writes about a lot of use cases, um, a lot of campaigns that he did all over the world at his time. And um, this book just makes you understand like the tools that PR uses and um, the ways to, to get there and really excites you about PR, I find. So um, people who are not into PR before and like startups that I recommended this book to and I read it, they were like, really excited about PR and PR is, is fun um, strategic way to make yourself heard to get recogni recognition which is very important especially for artists who don't get recognition by you know the income in the first years usually and um, this is really uh, a book I would love to recommend perfect perfect sounds great I think this is all I wanted to ask. It was really fun, very interesting, and I learned so much. I'll be definitely reading Propaganda book as well. And before we leave, if you have any final thoughts or messages or anything like that, please do let us know. 
Oh, um, I don't at the moment actually. So um, or maybe I do. So I think it's it's um, important that especially the younger generation. I feel like there are a lot of trends that are um, self-occupied and very uh, in, much into harm there. Or I wish that especially the younger people make themselves heard a lot more um, to express their opinions. Um, and their beliefs be it adventures the arts or um you know that they come out and uh really make themselves heard a lot more yeah yeah i think that's a message that i can definitely agree with i'm very passionate about marketing and pr um, like yourself and i think you know it's it's not enough to be the expert but to be also be seen as the expert and recognized as the expert so i'm sure that the listeners of this podcast will learn a lot on how to do that based on the excellent tips and advice that you have shared with us. We'll make sure that we include your contact details in the show notes. Thank you so much for being with us, Melanie, and I wish you a productive day. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was great talking to you. Take care, Melanie. Bye-bye. Take care. Thanks. Thank you for listening. For show notes and other resources, please refer to the description of the show.